Welcome to the Great Job Podcast, where we help you design your own handbook for raising amazing kids. I'm Emily Mall, a stay-at-home mom who's been in therapy for over a decade and is returning to work now. And I'm Dan Mall, a designer, creative director, entrepreneur, and author. We've been together for over 20 years and have spent the last 12 raising our two daughters. We believe that everyone deserves a non-judgmental space to show up as themselves, share, make mistakes, and grow. On this show, we pull back the curtains on everything we've tried, tested, and thought about so you can feel supported and less alone in your parenting journey. You'll leave each episode with practices, strategies, conversation starters, and support to set your kids up for the best future possible. I've never liked upholding traditions, and I've always wondered if I'm the only person in the world who hates them, much like how much I hate French fries. I think uh, this is partly why we're married. Um, I also hate traditions. I like, if I've done a thing once, I'm like, why do I have to do it again? You know, I think part of this was like like living in New York for a while and being like, I've already eaten at that restaurant. There's like a thousand more that I could eat at. Why would we go back to that same one? I think it's that same impetus. Like we have FOMO and if we do the same thing every year, are we missing out on something else? Oh, it's less about FOMO for me than it is about like, it's boring. Like, like I, I like new things and it's not that I, I have a fear of missing out on new things. It's like it energizes me to do new things. So traditions are tough. Um, and I think they're tough because in a family and with, with kids especially, I think stability is something that is really important to them. And traditions is a form of stability. It's something they can depend on. That like it happens every year or every week or every day, you know. And so I know I struggle with the idea of traditions. So there are three reasons I hate traditions. And the first one is related to what you said. They're just so boring to me. I just don't understand why we would do the same thing every year when there's like new and novel and interesting and inspiring and creative anything else that we could do. So not to say that there's anything wrong with the people who like to, you know, vacation in the same place every year or have this, you know, sing the same Christmas songs at church every year or go to their, every family's member's house. I don't know, whatever your tradition is, there isn't anything wrong with that if that's something that you really look forward to and enjoy. But I think one of the ways, and we've talked about this um, in previous podcasts, that we are different and why we work so well together is because I we both don't hate traditions. So wait, there's two more reasons why I hate traditions. <laughs> the second one is, I think traditions can leave people feeling left out. And so while they are great at creating bonds and like culture inside of a family, if you're coming to the family as like a new person or like maybe you're marrying into it or you're even just visiting friend, you are on the outsides of a tradition. And so you can just feel as much as welcoming as a family can be. Most families are very lovely and sweet in that way. You're still not a part. And so the third thing, third reason I hate traditions is that there always seems to be a pressure to uphold them. Just because everyone has off work means now we have to celebrate this holiday that I don't care about. And so there's a weird pressure around that just society and culturally in America, I think, to do what everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it. And so let's just like mob mentality it and go with the flow. And I think that's something I don't adhere to and I don't enjoy and I don't feel inspired by. 
Okay, so are there good things in your opinion about tradition? Like, are there are, are there any is there anything valuable about having traditions in your opinion? It's taken me a while to be able to say this out loud, and I think it's only even been a few months that I've started to really understand some of the value of them. And one of the biggest things that kind of turned me <laughs> was the idea that it creates self-esteem and a lot of like confidence in kids. And there's something about traditions that just makes them feel secure and safe. And I think that's important. And I think that's part of my job as a parent. So when I brought it up to the family in one of our MFPs, our monthly family meetings, which I don't know if we talked about yet, but we'll get there. We talked about having one and the one that I decided to institute and say yes to was Friday night dinners, 100% stolen from the Gilmore Girls show where the Gilmores would have Friday night dinners together no matter what. And so I was like, if it's that, I'm in because that was like the best part of the show. Okay. Uh, I don't think that we've talked about MFP on the show yet. So this is, yes, let's definitely come back to that and we'll talk about this because because I think it is a tradition that we have now, which is one of the few that we actually have is is having a regular family meeting. And so there's a couple things that that I react to and some of the things that you said in what is valuable about tradition. I think that change is hard for people in general. And tradition is a solution to that. It's like you don't have to think about every single thing. Like, like one of the challenges that we have in being non-traditional about, say, holidays is like every holiday, if we're not going to do that thing that we did last year, we have to come up with something new. That, that we And so there's just like higher cognitive overload to the idea of like having to come up with something all the time. And I think this is why like we hear stories about people who are, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg and, or President Obama who like have the same suit that they wear every day. You know, and they have a uniform. People who have a uniform is because it just reduces cognitive load. And that's like a form of tradition because like you just don't have to spend time thinking about that because the change is difficult and it requires willpower and it requires energy and all that stuff. The next point that I have about that is a form of tradition is a ritual. And I think that when people have rituals, it just makes it easier in, in a lot of ways, partly because you're not dealing with change, but then also because it's something that you can rely on. And so the idea of a ritual, whether that's, you know, going to the same relative's house for holidays or every night, like I know with our kids, we have handshakes with them that they do, that we do at night before bedtime that we do. And I think it's a form of confidence. It's like a thing that they can rely on, a thing that's makes it feel, and this is my last point about this, is it makes it feel normal to them. And I think rituals and traditions are all part of building culture. Uh, we talked about that a little bit in, in the last episode about family values that we had, but we didn't talk about culture as much. And so maybe that we talk about culture here too, is like developing a culture. I have a definition for culture because in when I was building a company, I had part of my job as a CEO was to help build company culture. And so like I had to figure out like, well, what does that even mean? And to me, culture is about like the phrase that I think about when I think about culture is, oh, that's just what we do here. And I think there's a form of tradition and there's a form of normalcy and there's a form of like, if everybody knows what we do here, then it's comfortable to some people. And the challenge with culture is how do you introduce new people to culture or how do you change the culture? But I think when those things are done right, tradition and culture and rituals are all really powerful things for any given unit, whether that's a team or an organization or a family. Yeah, I do think they are a way to assimilate to something quickly. So while you were talking, I was thinking of, oh, I wonder if some of my aversion to tradition, I know 
part of it is my personality. I just love all things new and novel and creative and inspiring and interesting. And I don't like, I do get bored easily. So I don't like the idea of doing the same thing over and over. It makes me uncomfortable. And I also think some of my upbringing, because it was so church oriented, which is like the first thing I think of when I think of traditional is like you go to church and the same thing happens every week. Maybe there's a different sermon or you sing a different song, but the order of things is the same. And I do think what's interesting about that is if you move to like another country or another city and you can find another church in that specific denomination, like you can fit in very quickly in a place, you know, that's new to you. So there is something culturally about it that is like a quick version of acceptance or family or culture. So I do see the benefits in that way. I think this is something that, I mean, so it's, I think it's worth saying that we both grew up in the same religion, which is Seventh-day Adventist. And se- for those of you that don't know about Seventh-day Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist is a very conservative religion, and it is a very traditional religion. And um, there are other denominations and religion that do a really good job of including people in their traditions. And Seventh-day Adventists don't, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's one of the things that like, if you know, you know. But if you don't, it's really hard to break into. So as people who grew up Seventh-day Adventist, like whenever we would travel and go to another church, it's like, you know what goes on. You know, you go on Saturday. You probably know know people there too. This order of service is going to happen. And it's something that you can rely on when there's turmoil, especially when it's like, I want something that it just feels comfortable. It's like quick family. It is. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a quick, not real, but sort of real, like where you feel like you're home, but you're not. I don't know. I think it's cool. But if you think about like mega churches and or like non-denominational churches, a lot of what they do is the way that they help you become part of it is as soon as you join, you know, you go to a mega church and you visit and there's 10,000 people in the service. A lot of what they do is like there is a team that is their job is to come up to you, say hello to you and help you identify a small group that you can be part of. Like within the first time you visit, oh, you want to join our mom's group? Do you want to be part of our young professionals group? Do you want to join our squash club? Like, do you want to join our AV team? Like they have ways of getting you into a small group and they have people who are in charge of making sure that you understand the tradition and the rituals and the culture so that you can be part of it too. And I think that also relates to like, you know, in families, we don't do a good job of designing that entire experience and, and companies too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we can do, we can all do a better job of, of, of that. One of the ways to do that is um, having family meetings. So do you want to talk a, a little bit about MFP and, and what that is and how that started and how we do it? Sure. And just before I jump into that, for those of you who are like, oh no, is this a religious podcast by religious parents? We were raised religious. I would not say we are religious now. I would say something different, but equivalent to that. So I was raised religious. I think in my journey with therapy, the last like 10 years, I've sort of taken a step away from it to explore life without it because I never, I was born into it. So I really, that's all I knew. And so now I'm exploring life without it and what that looks like and how I make choices and how I raise my kids with or without it. I mean, our kids still go to church with your parents every once in a while. And so it's still in our lives. I wouldn't say it, it's just not for me what it was. Yeah, I, I identify with that as well. That like yeah. It definitely wasn't what it was when we were growing up. 
religion and denomination and spirituality and all that stuff have a different role in our life now than yeah. it does, um, especially as parents, you know, and figuring that sort of that that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also the case for a lot of people in the world. I think things like COVID and, you know, just the modern state of the world have changed people's relationship to religion and the role that it has in their lives, too. Mm-hmm. And so so we're not anti, you know, religion and we're not pro either we're kind of like neutral right now yeah. so. and, and we're saying that i think both of us are maybe in different places about it too. oh definitely you know, so. i'm on a like walkabout whatever <laughs> i don't even know what the <laughs> word is i'm like it wouldn't be fully accepted in our religion but anyways I, all that to say we are not judgmental like do what you do believe what you believe we're not going to force our beliefs on you i just wanted to add that disclaimer in before we jump into our family meetings so a couple of years ago, I saw this really great quote uh, from Julia Child. It said, it was outside of a bakery and it was like on a sign outside the bakery. And it said, a party without a cake is just, just a meeting. Yeah. And so I think that applies the other way too, where like, well, if you're having a meeting, but you bring cake, like it sort of turns it into a party. So what sounded more fun to us was rather than doing monthly family meetings, we were started like, well, like, well, let's do monthly family parties. And so part of our tradition and ritual around those monthly family parties is bringing a snack or a cake or a pastry or something like that just to make it more fun for us. Yeah. So what we wanted to do with them was, you know, meet together as a family once a month and, you know, talk about our wins or losses or issues or things coming up and just being able to come together and be on the same page about things. And what was really cool was in the beginning, Dan would like pass us out like a a printout like a week before, like, here are some things I want to talk to the family about. Here are some things I need some help with. And then there's just a bunch of cool questions on there for to give us time to think about it. And so we all would like fill them out before we came to the MFP on Sunday. And it went really well. I think one of the things that is hard about it is for me as someone who runs the household to not let it turn into a like, hey, you're not doing your jobs. And so the kids get a little bit frustrated with that, but it's also because I'm frustrated with it. So that makes sense. So I think making it a party and just allowing them to run it sometimes has been really great. And so, so far it's, it's, um, I think it's like a 50, 50, whether they like it or not, they're in between, you know, we're excited about it, but also are we in trouble? So (laughs) we're working on that. Yeah, I think that I think that part's on us as facilitators, you yeah. know, to make sure that like the people in the meeting, who in this case is our kids, that they get value out of it too. Like so, you know, it it adheres to the same rules that I have with any meeting at work, which is that a meeting at work has to be valuable for everybody in it, you know. And if people are attending a meeting at work and they know that I'm just going to yell at them, it's going to be a sucky meeting for them. Oh, I know. Nobody so, wants to. And it's funny because depending on the way we call the kids' names, they'll be like, "Am I in trouble?" Like just based on the tone we use. Like, can you come in here? Whenever we say that, can you come here? They're like, am I in trouble? Like being called to the principal's office. They have that like, "Mm," we have to like, we let them like, no, you're not in trouble. We just want to talk to you about something. We just have a question or, you know, we try to set that up for them so that they're not uncomfortable. So, you know, we've been working on that. And we probably mentioned this in a previous podcast, but one of the reasons we even started Great Job was, you know, me asking Dan, like, can you run our family like you run a business? And there's so many like good things that come from it. And I think MFP is one of them because it's one way for us to like all come together and, you know, work stuff out together. I mean, if I have any superpowers, it's running a meeting is one of them. 
right? right? Like running a good a good meeting <laughs> is is one of them. And so, you know, one of the things that I think has started to to help the, in the latest MFPs is just framing the party for everybody in the beginning of it. So rather than saying like, oh, this is a time where we get to air our grievances against each other, we've started to make it around us living our best life together. And so that's the thing that I remind everybody at the beginning of MFP is like, okay, just as a reminder, this is a time for all of us to check in with each other about whether we're living our best lives together. And so if you are, great, share it with us and tell us what you want to be doing more of. And if you're not, that's okay too. You can tell us about what things you want to be doing to live your best life together. And I think that framing changes it from being like, you know, a thing where mom and dad get to yell at you because you're not cleaning your room enough, as opposed to like, oh, I want to be able to do this sport and if, you know, this month or this year, and if I want to do this sport, like what are the things that I have to do to chip in around the house to be able to make it so that mom and dad say yes to that or that they'll drive me or, you know, or anything like that. So I think a lot of times framing helps as it does in every meeting. You know, I try to do the same thing at work when I'm, when I'm working with teams is just telling people like what the space is about and just kind of setting that as like, this is something that ultimately should benefit all of us. And that's why we're having this. Um, otherwise, it's just, if it's just a time to get together to complain i mean we could do that any anytime and also no one's really going to care about that no one's going to go to that yeah so this is really cool because along the lines of talking about traditions and me hating them one of the ways i get around traditions is changing my reframing about them like instead of it being something that like i see as like oh this is going to be boring are we going to do the same thing every year i try to do something every year in advance, like I try to think of it ahead of time, like what would make this holiday fun to me? Because I know my issue with traditions is mine. It's not like something everybody else necessarily has and that's fine. And so, but what I need to own that and take responsibility for it. And I am, you know, partially head of this household. And so I do get to shape and create these traditions that my kids will grow up remembering. I'm in charge of their childhood, you know, and one of the things I've been thinking about is being non-traditional is a tradition. And I was like, what if there was a way I just was like, I could make it so that every year is different. And that's a tradition because every year is, and I could like scrapbook it or I could, you know, show photos to the kids every year and they'll have stories of like, you know, one year we made a movie from a kid's book called Dinosaurs Wear Underpants. And one year we had a, a family talent show that lasted all day long. And this is like for Christmas. So last year I asked Dan to be in charge of Christmas and I kind of dropped that like a bomb because when I told my friends this, everyone was like, are you, are you serious? Can he do that? I'm like, I mean, can he not do that? And they're like, well, how do you feel about that? And I was like, great. And I can tell you why (laughs) our youngest birthday is the end of November. And last year, I sort of dropped the ball around it. Like she didn't really have anything she wanted to do that year. So I wasn't really planning anything. So about a week before her birthday, I was like, hey, um, how about we have one friend sleepover? I'll give you a budget. We can do like a fun sleepover night and we can do a shopping spree and we can do like just fun, cool stuff with like your one friend and it'll be great. And so I got her on board with that. And my biggest mistake was underestimating the amount of time I would be responsible for her happiness. So when you plan a kid's birthday party, and let's say you go to like Sky Zone, it's like a three, four hour situation. Everybody arrives, they jump, they have cake, they eat pizza. 
You go home, the kids open the presents, done. You have done your service to your child for their birthday. They're happy, they're fulfilled, they have their friends, they have presents. And so when I made this like brilliant idea of like, oh, I'll just give her a budget and she can have a friend's sleepover, I didn't estimate the amount of time I would be the cruise ship director. And it's like a 24-hour situation because the kid comes over, you know, in the afternoon and you can like plan some fun stuff and then you have to plan like a movies and then the next morning there's stuff and then you have to, it was a long, and I was exhausted. I was like, Dan, I forgot how much I do not enjoy emotional caretaking and it's something I've been working on in therapy, but it was like, it just hit me full force because I just, I didn't expect it. And so knowing that Christmas was coming in the next like three or four weeks, I was like, I am, I'm overwhelmed. This, I don't want to feel this again. I don't want to have this feeling of like, I am solely responsible for her happiness. I just, it was an icky feeling to me at the time. And so I said, uh, you don't have to answer me right away, but could you be in charge of Christmas this year? And that's the part that I don't want to be in charge of is like, I can be good if I have my own regulations and my own expectations of what Christmas is, but I don't know what other people's expectations are. And so I'm not going to be in charge of Christmas and do it somebody else's way. Right. I can do it my way, though. I knew that going in and asking you, and I think that's why it felt like a big ask. Like, I wasn't sure you were going to say yes to it. And I but I was sure I was willing to relinquish all of it. And to me, that's like the, it's like the perfect scenario. And so this brings up a lot of stuff because um, it touches gender roles. Yeah. You know, and I know that was a lot of a lot of it for you as well. Like, that's part of tradition. Yeah. Like it, it's like, oh, well, but can a man be in charge of that? Yeah. Can a dad be in charge of that? This is like a mom thing. Like, is it, you know, and so it brings up all of that kind of stuff. It brings up the like, wait, is there a question of my capability of being able to like, I can yeah. run a whole company. Like, why can't I be in charge of Christmas for our family? Like, 100%. do you not trust me to be able to do that? You know, and so it brings up all of those kinds of things. I mean, what did, you know, before I even go further, like, what did you, what did you think about that? Did you feel confident that I could do it? Did you, you know, I know when you told other people about it, they were, they were like incredulous. Like what, like how, what, um, what do you think about all that? I was at the point when I asked you, that I just didn't care. Like I did not care what we did for Christmas because I did not want to feel that responsibility again. And I was like, so soon after I did it with Charlie's birthday. So I wasn't worried. There was one or two things I think along the way, I was like, well, what about this? And what about this? And you were like, mm, I don't know. And then you, you know, I would bring it up and, but ultimately it was your decision. So I didn't think you weren't capable of it. I just think you wouldn't do it my way. And I was fine with that because I didn't want the responsibility of it at all. And I was like, well, what would it be like to not have the responsibility of owning Christmas for the family? And why do I? And I think it just, it pulled all that stuff up for me. Why do I have to be in charge of Christmas? Why do I do this stuff in the first place? And I will say this, you know, we have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. So over the years, our Christmases have been very different because I always get to this point where I'm like, why are we doing this? This is so dumb. And then we take a break and then the next year I get all into it and Christmassy and then, or something happens or we question something. Like one year I did that elf on the shelf thing. Wow, was that a mistake? And then I even tried it again the next year because our youngest was so excited about it. I made like a calendar so I wouldn't have to think about what to do every night. And even that was hard. And we were like, guys, 
we're done. We are not. They still ask for it, which sucks. But I'm not doing that again. I know we're we're painting tradition as like because it doesn't suit us. We're painting it kind of in a negative light. And you talked about it earlier, you know, and that like for us, it's boring. But for other people, tradition is not boring. You know, it's like it is a thing that helps them. It's a thing that that they like. I think for us, we are the kind of people who ask at some point, why are we doing this? And I know there are a lot of people who don't ask that. And so for them, tradition is great because the answer to that question sometimes is, why are we doing this? Because we've done it before. That's what we do. That's what we do. And like, that's a satisfying enough answer. But not to us. Not to us. And so I think we need a different answer about that, which is why we often question, you know, why are we doing this? That's why I had no problem giving it over to you because it's just another version or way of us not doing the same thing every year. So it didn't feel outlandish to me. It didn't feel ridiculous. It did feel funny to tell friends about it because of their reactions. And it's the same when I went from an SUV to a sedan. I was like, Dan, moms don't drive sedans traditionally. Like, it's weird. It's like a weird thing. And you were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I mean... Given the choice, a mom would drive a bigger car. Like, she has stuff. And so that was something, like, you know, it's just another one of those, like, gender norm things that I just am like, eh, we don't. I think this is where, you know, to, per our last episode, this is where family values come in. It's like, if part of our family values is we are a different family, it gives us good air cover to do that kind it of stuff. It gives us like, space. And I think a lot, a lot of, I mean, this sucks, you know, just in, even saying it out loud, you know, that I'm about to say it sucks, is that a lot of what families do is based on how, what other people expect yeah. and what other people, you know, and what the, the societal norms and gender norms and things like that. And it's like, what does that have to do with how we, how we want our kids to show up in the world? A lot of times, nothing. Yeah. And that's why for me, like, it was easy to say, yeah, I'll take over Christmas because I'm not burdened by the expectations of others. You know, that's a superpower that I have where I'm like, I don't care if they don't, you know, if they don't care, you know, if they don't, they wouldn't do it that way. And, and I think a lot of that is about addressing the expectations before they're actually there. So how do you think Christmas went last year? I think it went great, but I think because partly because I addressed the expectations before they were there. So did, was that at an MFP or is that just, did we do uh, like I think a, that was before we started MFP. Oh, yeah. So I think that was just part of like, so I, you know, I know one thing that is different in the way that we both grew up and, and that we each grew up is that I know you at Christmas got multiple gifts for Christmas. When I grew up, I'd never got multiple gifts for Christmas. What was your Christmas like? It was like, I made a list of things that I wanted over the year. And my parents were like, we will get you one of those things. And um, a lot of it was related to income and, and finances. A lot of it was, was like, we can't afford to do anything more than this. So Was Christmas a part of your mom and dad's culture? and Or was it something that like, you know, they came to America and were like, we don't want to be a part of this? I, I think it was much related to like, we didn't grow up rich. Like, we grew up poor. So like... Oh yeah, we will buy you a Nintendo for your birthday, but like that uh, for for Christmas, but like that'll be it because that's like a big gift, you know. Or like we'll get you a pair of sneakers, and then that's that's that. Like, and it's not going to be Jordans, and it's not going to be like the top of the line stuff. It's not going to be the hundred dollar pair of sneakers. We'll get you the sixty dollar pair of sneakers because that's all we can afford this year. So it was very much financially related. And so for me, Christmas is like, wait, multiple gifts? Who gets that? Like rich people get that. And so there's a lot in there that I'm like. 
we're going to do one big gift and one small gift this year. You know, and that was an expectation that I set with our kids like before we even got there, you know, once he said, like, I want you to take over Christmas. I'm like, cool, this is the way that we're going to do it. And if anybody has a problem with that before it happens, let's talk about it. But I, what I don't want is waking up on Christmas morning and being like, where are the other 12 gifts that I'm supposed to get? I think a lot of that is because of the expectation, you know, and addressing that expectation ahead of time. Yeah, I think that's what I was. I got over spent on with Charlie's birthday was I either like didn't set the expectations right or I took on too much responsibility or something. And I was like, I don't want to do that again. I need a break. I need to see somebody else do it. I want to learn a different way or just have some space away from that feeling so that maybe I can like revisit the way I want to show up in celebrating my kids and celebrating holidays and like, you know, learning from it. Yeah. I I think this is why like families have to have their own traditions. And if that's a tradition that is passed on from their traditions that they had with their families growing up, that's cool. Like you can extend traditions. That's part of your right. But I think a lot of times it's about like setting the expectations for your family because otherwise you're just burdened by what society expects you to do. And I think that it's like it is crippling for a lot of folks to just have to do it that way where the answer doesn't have to be. Like I think about, you know, if somebody said to me like, you know, or if I was responsible for Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or something like that, I think the expectation of it would be that I would prepare a feast like that. Okay. It would have to be, you know, a big protein and lots of different sides and like feed everybody and we could make leftovers from it. Cause that's the expectation that comes from it. But what's the actual job? Like, what is the job of that job to make Thanksgiving meal or to make Christmas meal? Like, the job of that job is to like feed people so that they're satisfied. So for me, I'm like, oh, I'll just get McDonald's for our family and then we'll right, all eat McDonald's. I think that's a little bit of an oversimplification though, because a lot of the matriarchs who take on being in charge of the family dinners are also in charge of family culture and like what's going on. So I think there's more to it than just like, oh, I need to feed you. That's my only job. So there's more around it. There's more like, you know, the traditions and who's coming and who's not coming and but where did that come from why is there more to it i think that's the question to get it at. comes from the family from the matriarch and maybe that came from her mom and maybe that came from her mom or you know and this is this is why i'm so glad we're gonna get into boundaries it's like <laughs> but do you want to do that right i think that's the question that is almost never asked when it comes to tradition do you want to do that does that serve you well does that serve your family and help you move in the direction that you want your family to go in and if not why the heck are you doing that thing? Right. So this is really cool because we can get back into the MFP for Christmas this year. And so I liked you taking charge of Christmas last year. It was, I just hands up, relinquished control and was like, this is great. I liked it. The part I didn't like was after Christmas, the week from Christmas to New Year's, there was nothing to do. Um, we didn't go on a trip. We didn't have like the kids anywhere. They were just home all week. And I have to say that was one of the hardest weeks in a long time. And so this year at our last MFP, um, like a month ago, I was like, Hey, the only thing we're going to talk about at MFP is what we're doing for the holidays this year, because I do not want to have another season where we just have nothing to do all week and everyone's just home being lazy, making a mess on their iPads all day. That's a lot for me. So I was like, I think I would like us all to come up with some ideas or some trip ideas or some fun things to do that week 
so that we do not experience that again because I do know I didn't like that. So that's something that I'm excited about this season. I think what I what I really like about that is like it it goes back to some of the things that we've talked about in earlier episodes, like some of our principles, which is like whoever wants it more does the work. Always. You know, and so if if this is something that like you want to do, you've done a lot of work to go, okay, this is important to me. Yeah. I'm going to organize our session around this or a conversation around this. I'm going to make it so that this is something that happens, it's positive for everybody. And so you've done a lot of the work to make that easy for us. Cause for me, I'm like, I don't know, lying around the house and being lazy and playing iPad sounds great for the week, but I get that it is a burden on you. Yeah. Um, so like, okay, cool. I'm willing to do that. And you've made it easy for me to help to contribute to that as well. You know, and so I think those are the kinds of things that come up at MFP that I enjoy, that I, I appreciate is like rather than falling into that week and then suddenly realizing like oh this is disaster instead is we were able to talk about it a month or two in advance and start to make plans for that and start to go like all right do we want to go on a road trip or do we want to you know do we want to have activities or like are we going to schedule time at friends houses or you know whatever those things are and i think it gives us time to figure out those kinds of things. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, tradition helps eliminate, but there are other ways to do it too, is it just reduces the change and it reduces the surprise that happens when everything has to be real time. And so I think, you know, back to our kind of our theme about being intentional about your family, you can be intentional about things that are coming up in a couple of months. And I think those things are the things that make it easy, you know, in the same way that tradition does. And tradition is only one solution to that problem. Yeah, I think it's a great way to reframe tradition. If it's not something you look forward to, if you're someone like me who's not looking forward to it, like there are so many other options and things you can do. If you're willing to own your feelings and what it is that you want and to set everyone's expectations around you, like, hey, we're not going to be coming there this year. Maybe we can plan something next year. Or maybe we'll do something a week in advance or we're not just into that this year. We just don't want to do it. It's just not in our budget this year, or we really want to try to do something new and different this year. Like all of that is okay to say you have permission to say it and everyone will be okay. Or sometimes they won't for sure. But one of the things I wanted to say was the other thing I adopted this year from what you did last year was, Hey, this year you get to pick something you want, something you need and like something to read. I think was the third one. I don't know. I stole it from Pinterest, but I liked the idea of like having these like limits around the gifting. And so, you know, we're not blowing our budget on toys that I, oh, we asked our kids, what did you get for Christmas last year? They didn't remember anything. And I was like, yo, yo, look how important that is. So ask your kids what they got for Christmas last year. I mean, so as, as a note to kind of wrap up, I think, you know, as you were saying, it's so it's in your power to yeah. make your own traditions. You and, and you can adopt them from things that are already traditions that exist. You can invent them from scratch. Like that's a spectrum. Anything in between that, I think traditions are powerful. Powerful in a good way and powerful in a bad way too. Like I remember, like I had a I have a big family. And so growing up, our Christmases would be massive. Like because my my dad is one of seven kids. There's lots of grandkids and nephews and nieces and all and also and I have, you know, a part of my family who stopped coming to Christmas because they couldn't afford to get gifts for everybody and were just so embarrassed. It's bananas. Like and that that like I think if everyone knew that or realized that, we would have been like, well, let's just stop doing gifts because if that means that they get to come then we would just stop doing gifts. But no one realized that and no one knew that. And that became like a big family rift for a long time that you know, even to this day, you know, is not mended. 
um, you know, that part of the family is like a little bit like more adrift, you know, and like they don't come to the family functions and things like that because I think they feel so, so bad about, you know, not being able to afford getting, you know, 50 gifts for, for our entire family. That validates my theory on how traditions can leave people feeling left out. So before you blindly or continue a tradition without thinking about the why you're doing it and who it involves and how it affects them, dare to be different this year maybe think about something new you could do to incorporate a new memory for new members of your family or people who aren't able or interested in doing the same thing every year like me my hand is raised and I would be more willing and excited to participate and even come up with something new to do every year because that's my mo like it's you know something I look forward to so to the degree that people are willing to change make the holiday your own thing. Well, we are eager to hear if this resonates, you know, at all with oh, anybody yeah. here. So, you know, please do let us know, you know, write in, send us a note, uh, tell us what traditions you have that you want to continue, what traditions you have created for your own families. I and think those like the more we share those kinds of things, especially the more non-traditional ways or the more creative ways, I think that's going to be things that unlock other parents and other caregivers when they hear about it. So or feel free to change our mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're at, you know, we like Come at us. with each other. We're happy to argue <laughs> with you as well. Um, you know, we would love to hear because I think that's the way that, that we all learn and learn together yeah it's cool awesome well thanks everybody um until next time you know keep caring about the way that you raise your amazing kids and uh we think you're doing a great job you're doing a great job thank you so much for joining us if you love this content please download the episode subscribe to the podcast and share with anyone in your life who wants to be more intentional about raising amazing kids if you want more from us, please join our email list at greatjob.kids newsletter to get more parenting strategies, tips, tools, and templates directly to your inbox. You can also find Great Job on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. You're doing a great job. <laughs>